I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 215 of the podcast. Episode 215 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. I am your host, RJ Carbone. And um, yes, this is episode 214 of our show. Hope everybody's doing well. Sorry about that. Um, it is a, as I record, it is a Sunday night. Uh, the Knicks just finished up their game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which we'll get into. We'll talk about the last two games like we usually do. This is a two-game recap episode. Um, and if you're new here, we recap the Knicks every two games. Well, we summarize the last couple of games. And we talk about what we think should and shouldn't happen going forward. Um, and if you are new, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, BD4 is on, you know, all your, <clears throat> excuse me, fuck me. It's on all your typical, you know, your usual podcast feeds. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud. Um, you can listen to us on a bunch of, you know, wherever you get your shows. Um, you can also watch the podcast if you're interested in watching the feed um, on YouTube. That's available. And yeah, so in order to subscribe to the podcast, just um, go to any one of those you know platforms and do it. Or you could just go to my site. If you want to go to my website, I have all my information up there. You know, where to find the podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, but as well as... Uh, <coughs> My blog, you know, you can find my blog there and subscribe to that. I write about the Knicks and Yankees if you didn't know that. Uh, and you can also find me on social media. So all that stuff is on my website. All those links and everything, just go to my link tree. Go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to a page that displays all of that information. So you'll get there no problem. So just go to link tree. All right. Go to my link tree, which once again is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's a Sunday night as I am recording. But of course, as you are listening to this, it is a, you know, the earliest uh, Monday morning. You know, so hope everybody Monday, uh, everybody's Monday is off to a good start. <laughs> I hope everybody had a nice weekend. This weekend went by pretty quick. Um no particular reason. I'm just excited for, you know, the springtime in baseball to get going again. I guess that's like, it's a good thing that it's going by quick. The, the, the last couple of weeks have gone by pretty quick. So we're going to, we're, we'll be approaching the season pretty soon. Uh, February 28th is spring training. If you're a Yankees fan, I'm, I'm sure you're excited for that. 
another season of DJ LeMayhew. Garrett Cole, year two. Hopefully we can get some healthy seasons from, you know, the big guys in the outfield. Um, I'm excited to see what Clint Frazier can do over a full 162. The Yankees recently brought Brett Gardner back. <laughs> Fucking, uh, I didn't love it, but I was whatever about it in the end, just because it's like, he's not, you know, going to get major, product. he's not going to get a major role. So for as unproductive as he can be at the plate, I'm hoping it's no more than like 150 at-bats, <laughs> but we'll see. I have a hard time believing they're going to completely shy him out. Um, but yeah, I saw this thing on Instagram. It was pretty funny. I shared it with a couple of my buddies um, through text. It was a Randy Johnson quote. I don't have the quote in front of me, but just off the top of my head, you know, this was this was like a story from 1995, but somebody reshared it on Instagram, and it was like, it's like somebody I don't know, somebody asked Randy Johnson if he owned a gun or whatever, and he's like, no, if I have to deal with uh, intruders in my home, I, I keep a bag of baseballs by my bedside, and I'll just peg them at the head if they ever fucking think about <laughs> intruding my home. And I thought that was awesome. Could you imagine robbing Randy Johnson's house and fucking him gunning you, pegging 99 mile an hour fastballs at you, just straight up heaters at your at your fucking dome? That's fucking creepy. Uh, that's that's some scary shit. I saw that. I was just I was cracking up. I was that's just pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's 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 what I do, guys. When I'm not even like when I'm not. You know, with this whole quarantine thing, I have these um, online courses for school because I'm still trying to finish up school because I'm a uh, I'm a failure. So, <laughs> what I do? These classes are so boring; they just talk forever and ever. And I get it, just like I on my phone. You know, for the for the for the courses that I don't need to be on video, I'm just scrolling on Instagram and fucking reading shit about the baseball season, about the Knicks, the Yankees, the whatever. It's it's tough. I just want to get out the house, but the good thing is that um, I'm actually allowed, we're allowed back on campus now. So um, two of my classes are on time, full time, or are on uh, online, full time, which is unfortunate because I didn't know that when I took when I signed up for those courses. But one of my courses, I will be back on campus this week, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, that happened. That's good. Just I just I'm tired of staying inside, man. I just you, you can only keep people in their homes for so long, you know. Um, just just I I'm not gonna get too into this, but like just let people live their fucking lives, please. Good thing is MSG's getting fans. The Yankee Stadium will have fans back in the seats, so we're in good shape here. Um, but yeah, I mean when I'm fucking you know in school and listening to these lectures it's like I'm just on my phone Instagram we're on you, you you know what I've been doing a lot lately um just re-watching like old stand-ups from Bill Burr and Louis CK those are my two favorite comedians because they, they shoot it straight they don't fuck around 
they give you the harsh honest truth they say what people don't want to hear um and it's the truth and I, I just love raw comedy like that that's what i've been doing lately too when i have my free time um all right so you know we're bullshit i don't know why i'm rambling right now but let's get to the knicks let's talk knicks obviously we've got a few things to talk about um a lot has happened over the last couple of games, uh, and we've still got some trade rumors going on, so maybe we'll touch on that later. Um, but let's head to break, and when we get back, we'll start this thing up. All right, so um, yeah, let's, let's head to a quick little break, and um, as soon as we get back, we'll get going. Hey, fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show. I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. You know, there's a funny story that Clyde was telling tonight on the broadcast. It was like, he was talking about, I don't know, I guess they were talking about Randall's All-Star. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is what led to the conversation. You know, how Randall's a potential All-Star, and then uh, fucking Clyde bringing up how he was once an All-Star, and then how people expect you to do more and more once you reach that feat. And how his buddies were telling him, at the time, well, you got the all-star, when are you going to get the MVP? And he's he was telling, he was saying how he fucking took that personally, and he, he kind of shoved it down his buddy's throat. His friends were, were asking him to get the MVP, and he got the all-star MVP that year. So, <laughs> I thought that was just a pretty little, a funny little fucking uh, uh, story that Clyde told in the show tonight. Excuse me, but um, yeah, he's he's pretty funny, man. You know, he he's when he's not shilling Peyton, he's awesome to listen to. You know, and and you know, to his credit, everybody on MSG is is ridiculous with the Peyton propaganda. Maybe it's because they're trying to hype him up for for trade value, but yeah, it's rough. Um, so game one, um, game one. I always say game one. In game two, because I, when I have it set up on the screen here, that's what it's labeled as. Because we talk about two games. So game, what was it? I don't fucking know. 29, 30 of the season? Game 31, maybe? I don't fucking know. The game against the Magic, we'll just call it. Alright, a couple nights ago, the game in Orlando. Knicks were on the road here. Um, you had the Knicks taking on the Magic. And, you know, it was a, one of those games the Knicks were... High coming off a three-game win streak, things were looking really good. Um, one game from hitting 500, facing the Magic team who has struggled mightily over the last month or so without some of their big players. So it's what you call a letdown, a trap game, right? An easy trap game for the Knicks, and they came into it. You could tell they just didn't have that same energy. You know, maybe some of that was having that mentality that they were going to get the easy win. Maybe some of it was that they were a bit fatigued, playing a bunch of games in a little bit of time. 
But regardless, they go on and they lose that game. Uh, the Magic put up 107 points. The Knicks dropped just 89 points. Um, so, you know, Knicks just pretty abysmal on both ends. Um, you know, after a game where they shoot 50% from deep against Atlanta, hitting 17 three-pointers, they go on and and they shoot 26% from three-point distance. <laughs> They're 38% from the floor and 26% from deep the night after hitting 51, uh, 50%. So, regression to the mean for sure. They allowed 107 points, and so not only did they give up 107 and shoot 26% themselves from three, but the Knicks allowed the Magic to shoot 47% from distance. So, rough game there, but, um, you know, offensively for the Knicks, it was Randall who had the most production, 25-7-3. and three. Uh, He did have five turnovers. R.J. Barrett won for 15 points, seven boards. Alfred Payton went for 13 points. Um, those were the only three Knicks, though, in double figures. Everybody else was <laughs> just held. They, they, they were contained. Um, you know, Emmanuel quickly rose, two for 22. 9% together. Uh, we'll get to them because they had another off night tonight. Uh, poor shooting. You know, no bench production. Lazy defense and... That was the most unacceptable part about it. You know, I can deal with the bad shooting percentages. That's going to happen. The Knicks don't have the personnel to sustain, you know, that hot shooting from Atlanta. But to not really give much of an effort defensively uh, for stretches in this one was rough to watch. Um, first quarter, out the gate, it looked like the Knicks had something. RJ starts us off, you know, gets a couple of baskets. But uh, Dwayne Bacon <laughs> starts percolating. As Clyde likes to say. Um, but then Julius gets cooking. You know, hits a couple from the elbow. Um, I think he had three three-pointers in the first quarter. Um, and route to 13 points in the period where he was six for seven from the field. Uh, so the Knicks, you know, they're up 32 to 23 after the first period against Orlando. Um, second quarter comes. You know, Randall goes to the bench for a bit. And the Knicks kind of start to feel the effects, right? Uh, sorry. You know, it's it's there's there's no Randall out there, so his jump shooting presence. Again, he was a he was in a lot of midder uh, midders mid rangers and three point shots, so they didn't have the shooting presence without him on the floor. And you know, there was nobody out there to drag Orlando's bigs out of the paint, so the paint was pretty packed. And because of that, Rose's drive and kick game wasn't very effective. You know, um, and when he did kick it out to the perimeter guys, they weren't making anything. They were not hitting threes. Uh, the second quarter, the Knicks had no three-pointers made. So it was rough. Uh, you know, defensively, Terrence Ross starts torching the Knicks. He finishes with like 30 points, six boards, four rebounds, or six rebounds, four assists, uh, and a pair of steals and blocks. He just goes off on the Knicks and... Second quarter is where he starts to really get it going, dishing and swishing a bit, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, Terrence Ross's basket with about seven, like seven and a half left in the quarter, maybe. Uh, it gives the Magic their lead, and, you know, Tibbs, disgusted, calls a timeout. Following the timeout, you get Alfred Payton, you know, a flurry of points and some assists mixed in there. He helps the Knicks get back in it. And the Knicks go into half, 
up again, but only by 356-53. Second half comes out of the third quarter. Peyton stays hot, gets a couple to fall. But then the Magic start attacking in transition, right? Ross starts flowing again. Evan Fournier hits a couple of threes. He has 19 points in the game. Uh, that uh, What's his name? Vucevic. He had like 16, 6, and 5. He starts cooking, taking advantage of the Knicks' tired legs. And it just didn't look good. You know, the Magic ended up hitting five triples in the period. And the end of the third quarter on a 16-2 run. Completely taking the Knicks out of it. And this kind of transitioned into the fourth quarter where the Knicks still didn't have it going and couldn't defend. They didn't hit a shot until the eight minute mark in the fourth. That was there was like a it's like a seven and a half minute stretch right there where they were 0 for fifteen from the field, bridging from the end of the third to, you know, about midway through the fourth. So it was really fucking ugly for a while. You know, but it ends when Julius gets one to go. I think like a step back jumper maybe. Uh Burks then follows that up with a pair of threes. Bullock hits a technical free throw and you know, the Knicks are within 10. But there's only six minutes remaining, and they still had to defend, which they didn't do. You know, to finish out the game, basically you had Terrence Ross, uh, again, Vucevic, and uh, Evan Fournier just <laughs> finishing the Knicks off with the finishing touches. You know, a bunch of uh, just the same shit. They were just killing the Knicks in all areas, and the Knicks couldn't take care of them. So, yeah, just a terribly played game. Again, a trap game. Knicks came in thinking they'd take it. Can't do that, right? Especially a team who's not very good to begin with in the Knicks. Um, again, poor bench, poor shooting, lazy defense. Those are the three factors. Uh, there were some questions, you know, why was RJ benched again down the stretch? He was 15-6 and six on 50 per, uh, 56% at the time. And then he didn't see another minute in the fourth until the game was already out of hand. That was frustrating to watch, you know, instead of continuously giving inconsistent shooters like Bullock and Burks minutes, can we try at least, you know, going Knox or Frank if we're not even going to plug in RJ at times? No, I guess not. One of them's inevitable to get traded, I think. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit. You know, another game where Obi Toppin just 10 minutes. Um, you know, just the same bleh rotations, right? Um, I'm not going to blame that game on Thibodeau, but the rotations remain very clunky, and tonight, even during the win, um, we have some things to talk about in, in the, the second game that we're going to recap in a second. Um, the rotations remained a bit weird, although RJ did close this one out against the... Uh, who do we play tonight? Who we just beat? Oh, the, the Timberwolves. Yeah. So, let's... Uh, Let's, let's just get to that. So four days later, obviously the Knicks had the layoff, right? They had the um, the game against the Magic, and then they had the one against the Spurs that was postponed because somebody came in. I don't think somebody was on the COVID protocol. And um, so the Knicks had four days off, and they come out there tonight. Again, tonight meaning Sunday night, February 20-something, 21st? I don't even know. Sunday night, uh, the Knicks bounce back. <laughs> it wasn't the prettiest win, but they do bounce back against the Wolves, 103-99. to um, In what was, hopefully, the final home game ever without fans. Right? Think about that. That's pretty good. Uh, that would be awesome, man, if we could finally start getting some stuff happening here in the Garden. Um, 
you know, the Knicks take the 103-99 victory. Um, hopefully the final game without fans at MSG forever. Oh, man, I can't wait. Um, but yeah, it was a game where the Knicks just... They had a 21-point second-half lead. And that not only dwindled all the way down, but the Wolves ended up taking a one-possession lead later in the fourth. It was very ugly. You can't just... Nah. Talk about taking your foot off the pedal. That was the perfect example. Uh, you know, it was a game where the Wolves shot 13% better from three from against the Knicks. They played better than the Knicks a lot of the... in a lot of this contest. Um, in that second half, at least. You know, it, it just, it came down to some luck, to be honest with you. The Wolves just missed some shots, and the Knicks hit some shots. It was just, it was ugly to watch. The Knicks weren't really clicking offensively. Uh, most of their baskets came under the rim and at the free throw line. Uh, they were 54% from two-point distance versus 36% from Minnesota. Um, and Minnesota's obviously Tom Thibodeau's old team, um, where he won after the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but 54% to 36% in the Knicks' favor from two-point distance. 44 points in the paint versus 34. Knicks had that. And then the Knicks, 38 attempts at the charity stripe versus Minnesota's 21. So big-time scoring for the Knicks. You know, playing where, playing their style of offense, right? Their, their extinct style of offense where they don't play at a high pace. They don't hit many threes. They're going to get you inside the arc you know, at the rim. <laughs> so that's what they did. Um, and they played strong defense, you know, for the most part. They did held, they held them to 99 points. So, you know, as Clyde said, entering the game, this, the, uh, the winner is going to be the first team to crack 100. And it was the Knicks. So he was right. Um, first quarter of this game, you get Alfred Payton and Ricky Rubio kind of trading baskets. They go back and forth. EP has five points and a couple assists. Uh, Rubio goes for, I want to say eight points in that first period. Um, the Knicks struggled to get some stops, but eventually they kind of get it going and they put their foot on the gas. Uh, offensively, all five starters end up scoring in that first quarter, uh, and the Knicks enter the second up 30-18. to 18. Um, The Wolves kind of climb back, you know, in a back-and-forth second quarter. They climb within four points at a point. Rubio's hot. He ends up with 15 points in the first half. Um, he had 18 total tonight. Randall got it going, though, towards the end of the second. You know, had a nice take to the rim where he slammed one down. Hit some free throws. Noel hits a pair of free throws towards the end of the second. Uh, Randall hits the step back three with about two seconds left. And he puts the Knicks up 61-50 to heading into halftime. So, pretty decent lead for the Bockers heading into the break. We come out of the gate in the third quarter. And, you know, a few minutes in. It's like the eight and a half mark, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Uh, he gets that technical. He heads to the bench for a bit. And, you know, the Knicks kind of take advantage of, you know, him being on the bench. They go on an eight to nothing run right out of the, right away. As soon as he goes to the bench, they go on an eight nothing run. Um, an RJ three pointer makes it an 11 to two run. And the Knicks eventually take an 80, uh, was an 87 to 71 lead after that three-pointer. Uh, well, no, after the third quarter. Sorry. 
So 87 to 71 after three. You get to the fourth. And <laughs> this is kind of where shit starts to get out of control. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves wake up. You know, it's, once again, it's Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but, you know, Towns, had, he finishes what, like, a fucking monster line of 27, 15, 4, and like 3 blocks. And I feel bad for this kid, man. He's playing his heart out right now. He's he's trying because he's... I think they said on the broadcast tonight... I know he lost his mother due to COVID. I think they said... And, and I don't want to be wrong here. So please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think they did say... He lost seven family members or seven loved ones or something the past year. I can't imagine that, man. Seven. Not one, two, three. Seven. And so come back out and to just play basketball and to continue playing at a high level. I know his team's not good. All the credit in the world to Carl to Anthony Towns. Um, so yeah, the fourth quarter starts. The Wolves just get really hot. They go on a 17 to four run right out of the gate. You know, they're, they're that pulls them within three, 91 to 88. Anthony Edwards then hits a three point shot with about seven minutes and 50 seconds left. So that pulls them within three, and you know the Knicks need to get going. So what they do, they <laughs> it's just they they every time the Knicks scored. The Wolves would just answer. But there were a lot of times where the Knicks just didn't score. And they were struggling defensively. Fucking Randall and Noel had five fouls each with about three minutes left in this game. You know, they couldn't defend Carl and Three Towns. And they just had they, they had really difficult times staying out of foul balls late. Wolves eventually take a one-point lead when you had Rubio hitting up Towns. For a basket with about two minutes and 48 left. They take the one point lead. But fortunately RJ Barrett. He hits a big shot. This was right after Tibbs. So Towns hits that shot. The Wolves take the lead. Tom Thibodeau calls a timeout. And it's RJ Barrett. With a big shot. Left handed take. He converts and the Knicks. Go up 97 to 96. Noel fouls Towns on the next possession. Towns hits both of those free throws, and the Wolves once again regain their lead. But Knicks get the ball. Julius then draws a foul on Towns. He hits a couple. You know, the Knicks force a miss on the other end. They get the ball back, and you know, I think it's Alec Burks sealing the deal with some free throws in the final seconds. So, came down to the wire when it should not have. You don't want that to happen again. That was a very ugly win. But, as they say, a win is a win is a win is a win. Right? Uh, you had Julius finishing with a cool ho-hum. 25-14-4 on 50%. Another high percentage shooting night for him. Another well-rounded stat line. The guy's an all-star. Even if he doesn't make it, he's playing like an all-star. Um, and he's playing like an MVP candidate. Not a winning. And he's not going to win the MVP. Not a winner. Not an MVP winner, he's playing like a candidate, like a finalist, like a top 10 MVP, MVP finalist or candidate, whatever you want to call it. 
RJ goes for 21 points, uh, 50% from the floor. He did take 20 shots, which, you know, if you're a casual, you're like, why ADZ? Why, why? That's not a great game. You did like, though, that he took 20 shots. You, you like, I liked how he was aggressive, and I would love to see him take more games, have more games where he's taking 20 shots, you know? If Alfred Payton's going to fucking score 20 points on 22 shots here and there, why can't RJ Barrett have these games? The guy we're actually supposed to be developing here. I love seeing him take take those every shot. I was I was happy he was aggressive tonight. Very 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 happy to see that he was not shying down. So he goes for twenty points. Um, Eighteen of those twenty shots that he took, by the way, were fucking. Um, so he goes for twenty one points. Eighteen of those twenty shots were uh, in the paint, and he finished the game with just one free throw attempt. So that just goes to show you that. Once again, officiating continues their bias against the Knicks, against R.J. Barrett specifically. It's like we're watching Carmelo Anthony all over again. If you can remember how fucking much Melo had to do to just get a whistle. I mean, that shouldn't happen. If you have 20 shots and 18 of them are in the paint and a large bulk of those 18 shots in the paint were in the restricted area at that and you have one free throw by the end of the game, that's officiating, man. That's officiating. You know, it was ugly to, to have to sit through him getting banged around and no whistles, nothing. So, kind of pissed me the fuck off. Not gonna lie. Manual quickly and Obi Toppin, our first two, uh, our, our two first round picks this year. They fucking nine minutes each. Nine minutes each. You know, Obi's obviously not gonna get much minutes in Julius's spot, but like we've been saying. Why, why, why don't we at least try to plug him in at the five occasionally? Play small ball or at the four and you slide Randall up at the five. Why doesn't he play small ball? Why does Tibbs just... There's the perfect window right now, right? Back when everybody was healthy, Obi not getting a bunch of minutes, it was at least somewhat understandable. But right now, Mitchell Robinson is out. Noel was in foul trouble tonight. Taj Gibson, you know, had 19 minutes. There is room for Obi Toppin to play some small ball five, and yet our lottery pick at number eight gets a nine minutes, even in a night where he could have played at least 25-30. I don't get that. Are we serious on developing him? I mean, it's going to be tough right now with the way Randall's going, but there are moments like tonight where there is a big window for him to get some shine. No burn. Nothing. Nine minutes. You know, and IQ. You know, imagine being Emmanuel quickly, you know, a rookie of the year candidate, and not knowing if you're going to get nine minutes one night or 29 minutes, regardless of how you play. You know, every night he goes out there, he has no clue because Tom Thibodeau's decision making with him is just so weird. It's odd. He could go for 30 points and he'd get benched for 30 minutes out of the 48 the next game. You know, he could score 12 points. Uh, I'm sorry, he could he could score 30 points and then get benched for a chunk the next game. And then he could score 9 points. And he still he still gets best. There's very he has to like go off. He has to go off to even have a slight chance at getting 25 plus minutes. So it's so inconsistent. You don't know if you're if you're quickly. You have no idea when you're getting run, you know, and that that can affect you 
mentally, right? That can make you kind of rush when you're out there and try to do too much and take you out of rhythm, which it looked like sometimes, you know, tonight at least was a good example of that. You know, he was kind of rushing out there. Sometimes he, he plays too fast and a bit reckless, and you're going to get that. When you don't know if you're going to get big minutes or not, it's really, really frustrating. It's got to be really annoying. You know, and, and I understand he's been struggling lately. IQ and Rose are, are just a pathetic 11% over the last two games. Four for 37, and they're one for eight, 13% from three-point distance. Very bad. Uh, but most nights, they're going to be productive. So, you know, if, if we are one of the bottom teams in pace, and if we are one of the bottom teams in shooting, then why aren't both of them getting the bulk of these point guard minutes and have one of these guys start? That's the only logical solution here to make this Nick offense more watchable. I mean, you ever think having a starting point guard who plays at a turtle's pace and doesn't only not make jumpers, but doesn't shoot jump shots? You ever think that's probably beneficial to this offense, or, or detrimental, rather, to this offense? Hmm, maybe. Maybe it is. <laughs> Shit. You got two guys on the bench who play modern basketball in some senses, and you have a guy at the point guard position starting every night who plays dinosaur basketball. He's extinct. He doesn't play the game that we need in 2021. He's a playmaking point guard who can only dribble into the paint, and he's not even good at playmaking that much. He has his games where he looks credible, but when, when you're talking about your starting point guard getting 30 minutes a night, he's credible on his best nights, but you don't come around often. That's not good. I just don't understand it, you know. Shooting is huge. You need shooting in today's game. Guys, the Wolves are the worst team in the NBA. They have a terrible, terrible record. They are last in the standings, but they only lost by four points. Why? They shot 46% from downtown tonight. Shooting wins. Shooting is going to keep you competitive. In order for the Knicks to sustain this success they've had this year, um to their standards, they're going to have to start shooting the ball more. They cannot, it's, it's, I'm still nervous. You know, I know we're at a point where we are 14 and 15 or, or no, 15 and 16 right now. And we're almost halfway through the year. But I just, I, listen, I know the East is weak and all that. But we do have to start shooting the ball better. And it's more frustrating because it's there. Not the entire solution, but to a degree, we can become a better shooting team if we just plug in quickly more, plug in Rose more, start one of those two, cut Peyton's minutes down, right? You know, and we've got not just those, you know, again, guys who can shoot the ball. Kevin Knox was shooting. He's out, he's out of the rotation. Frank Nilakina, he can at least be existent from three-point distance. He was shooting the ball well earlier to start the year. He's not even on the fucking team. It's like he's not even existing on this team anymore. You don't even see the guy's face. <laughs> Braz Degas, I don't know if they're keeping him down there because of defense, but he's on a two-way contract. He's still on this roster. Plug him. I mean, these guy Bullock's not doing his job as a shooter, right? He's not really shooting consistently. He's He was one for six tonight. Way too often we see Bullock have these off nights for a guy who is supposedly supposedly this this sharpshooter. 
Burks hasn't exactly been consistent. We just, we, the rotations, so stubborn. Tom Thibodeau, so stubborn. Doesn't change them often. Sticks with the same boring, veteran-heavy rotations. Um, I don't want to get into it again because this is a win. The Knicks won. We should be happy. But, you know, I would really, really start going off if we lost. You know, And fortunately for Tom Thibodeau's head, the Knicks are winning due to R.J. Barrett's play this year, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, quickly, guys who are young and going to be here long term. So that's one of the only reasons I'm not going off right now on them because those guys have at least been thriving and are showing development in the right direction here. So it's just that there's so much more he can do to get the best out of them, I think. I think this team could be even better. I want to get the best out of my team. That's all I want. Um... Hey, at least Peyton advanced the ball tonight to RJ on the break. That was like the first time I've ever seen him throw a lob to RJ in transition. <laughs> that was the only time I've ever seen that. Uh, and he had more assists than he did shot attempts. Seven versus six. That's when Alfred Peyton's at his best, to be honest with you. When Alfred Peyton is most effective and... You know, most effective with Peyton is is slightly above average. Um, he's taking less shots than he is diming the ball. You know, these games where he's shooting 15 to 20 times, he's not scoring many that more than 15 to 20 times. He's taking the same amount of shots as he scores points because he doesn't have a three ball, because he doesn't get to the line much or convert much from there. So he's best when he's not really shooting the ball. And he's just letting everybody else do their work. And he's distributing. And so I thought tonight he did a nice job of that. I think recently he's been doing better. But it's just not something that's going to be consistent. Like if we're still talking about Peyton. 32 games into the year. Wherever we are. That just shows. You know, if we're still talking about him. Not doing the job. If that's still a conversation. Even if you're not agreeing. Even if you're on the other end of the spectrum. Which I don't know who is. But. The fact that that's still a conversation, whether or not we should keep Peyton starting or not, goes to show you something, right? That he's probably not doing that good of a job. So, I don't know, man. I just, I just, I'm not. You, you can't play a rotation player like quickly, young, trying to develop this kid nine minutes in a game, right? It was like the other night. RJ Barrett gets 19 minutes. Can't do that year two for him you got it this is the team you're trying to develop you can't just keep playing vets if they're not doing the job and that's the that's that's one thing that i don't like is that the narrative on these guys whenever you know you see these vets get plugged in over the youths excuse me people like to throw the word you know accountability i like that tom thibodeau is holding them accountable you can't overuse that statement, though. You can only use that in certain ways. Like, like when, when the veterans are out there, again, tonight, Reggie Bullock, one for eight, okay? Or, you know, when Peyton's out there having his two for 12 nights, and he's still getting run. And we have a lot of nights like that where, don't mean to keep picking on him and, and Bullock, but we have a lot of nights where those two aren't on. But they're still getting a chunk of the minutes. That's not accountability. Especially if the young kids sitting on the pine are producing. 
but still not getting minutes over those guys who are struggling. That's not accountability. <laughs> right? I can see it if you have the youths struggling and you're trying to win a game. And the veterans were actually playing well and you can you can swap them. Sure, right? That's fine. But that's not been the case in a lot of these games where the veterans are getting the heavy minutes is that they've been either mediocre or worse and they're still getting ran out there consistently. That's not accountability. That to me is not accountability. That's just being plain old stupid and stubborn. Like I said, stubborn. Um, lastly, on my notes here, I've got that Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel. Um, Gibson was a little better tonight. He was solid. You know, 19 minutes, he had seven boards, two steals. Noel, he did have 10, 9, and two blocks. But again, he fouled out. He was dropping shit. Didn't look the greatest. Um, but whatever, you know. Despite Towns going off, despite that choke job in the end, Despite shooting the ball 26%, the Knicks still pulled away with the victory. Moving to 14 and 15. Have to look at the standings to see. I'm sorry, 15 and 16, I believe. Have to look at the standings to see where we are. I want to say six, but I'm not sure. And um, yeah, that that was that was it for both of these last couple of nights. You know. But um fans in the stands, man, on Tuesday night, Golden State. Golden State. Maybe Steph Curry. Maybe not. It would be nice if he was held out for that game too. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. People are back in the garden again. Only 10%, but just to get fans in the seats again is going to be awesome. And what better game to start that off with one that could decide the Knicks being 500 or not. Right? If they win this next game, they're 500 for the first time in a bit, a little bit. Um, so they've got the Warriors on Tuesday, who they will be hosting. They host the Kings on Thursday. They go to Indiana for Saturday's game against the Pacers. And they finish out the first half on the road versus the Pistons and Spurs. That's on the 28th and then March 2nd. And then the last game of the first half is at home hosting the Pistons. So, that's, yeah, just a few games left in the first half already. Um, second half schedule, I'm sure, will be released pretty soon. Thinking during the All-Star game or after or whatever. Um, probably before that game. So, yeah, that's really, that's, that's you know, that's those last couple of nights. Um, it's good that RJ's being efficient again. You know, he had that rough patch, but he's back. He hit his only three-point shot tonight. I love that his percentage is over 30%. I know that sounds stupid because 30% is nothing great, nothing good. Um, but con you know, considering he was down all the way at 18% in the first couple weeks of the season, that's a huge improvement, right? Shooting well over 40% since then from three-point distance. So if he could finish the year somewhere between 33 and above, that, which is one out of every three makes, I mean, I'll deal with that, you know, and I think that's the guy he can be um, if he continues to hit the open ones and the timely ones, and that's all we need. We don't hit, we don't need R.J. Barrett to be a knockdown, but 
keep playing to his bread and butter, you know, playing in that mid-range, taking advantage of the uh, mismatches in the post, playing downhill in that transition. Saw that some more tonight. Just slashing and doing his thing. Getting to the basket. Getting to the fucking basket and converting. Drawing fouls. Hitting free throws. He's been doing that. Keep playing to his bread and butter. I think he'll be fun. He only had one assist tonight, which sucked because all I needed was him to get two, and I would have hit my parlay. So that was great. But, um... <laughs> no, I think the Knicks are playing well, so... Fans back on Tuesday. Hopefully it's the um, first of many more. And uh, we continue to get more and more fans in, that seat, in those seats as we fucking progress here. And, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for the game. Um, so I want to get to some more trade talk. I don't want to talk too much on these things because we've kind of been beating the same old dead horse for a while. When it comes to the deadline, we always talk about uh, Bradley Beal. We've been talking about Victor Oladipo. But I do want to touch on Beal again. Um, I do want to talk about Randall and maybe R.J. Barrett when it comes to this trade deadline uh, when we get back from break. So we're going to take a quick break one more time here on the show on BD4. But guys, before we get to break, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that. You can follow my social media accounts too if you want to do that. If you want to subscribe to my blog, all that stuff, just go to my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. All right, so let's head to our uh, first, uh, our last break. And when we get back, I do want to talk about some of the things that could be happening at the deadline. Bradley Beal. <laughs> Good old Bradley Beal. You know, it's not that I don't... Okay, so... <laughs> you know, the frustrating thing to me is... is uh, so we're hearing that... World Wide West is... Um, what do you fucking call it? Hold on. My, my ship froze. One second. Here we go. Alright, so... Why are we freezing? Tell you, man. Gonna have to find some new software. And I've been saying that for months. Alright, so... um, Yeah, uh, World Wide West has, you know, lately been... I'm hearing he's been trying to uh, push for Bradley Beal. And, you know, it's not something I want. Um, I think a lot of Knicks fans are split 50-50 here. Maybe maybe a little more 55-45 uh, in favor of the Knicks standing pat and not doing much. But yeah, it just feels like most of the people who want Bradley Beal are like the Lakers fan on Twitter. right? The non-Knicks fan. Or the fucking... 16-year-old Gen Z Knicks fan who you know, is the same person who told you they should go after Russell Westbrook. You know, the, the triple-double enthusiasts. Or the fucking, you know, the casual Knicks fan who catches a game here and there and happens to flip to MSG on a Wednesday night 
and catches the third quarter before he falls asleep. You know, those are the guys. That's who. Those are the people who are advocating for those big shortcut moves. Right? The the fucking diehards, the ones who watch this team 48 minutes a night. Um, the older Knicks fans, you know, and I like to think I have an older mentality. I don't think a lot of us want the Bradley Beal move. I just don't think we want to ruin what looks like what's working right now. And then you think about it, and you fucking... Guys, Tommy Shepard is commanding a hall here. I mean, he... So, if you're going to put a package together for Beal, it's going to be heavy. It's going to look like you know, a young player like R.J. Barrett and maybe Mitchell Robinson, too. One of Frank Nilakina or Kevin Knox. Three unprotected first-round picks. Three, and that was Tommy Shepard's exact words. Along with, he also wants two swaps, a veteran player on an expiring deal as the final piece. So he wants a young player or two. So maybe an RJ and a Mitch. One of Knox or Frank will probably be involved. Three unprotected first round picks, two swaps, and a veteran a veteran player on an expiring contract. That's a fucking ton. That is a ton. So why would we I just I I don't see the extreme benefits of it. You know, I could it pay off? Sure. You know, it has potential, but it could be an absolute bust. I mean, why would we both gut our current roster, leave us with very little, and mortgage our entire future? Right? Very Nets like, where they got rid of Levert and uh, the big dude with the afro, two of their, you know, cornerstones, and a bunch of their roster pieces around that, and a bunch of their first round picks. Yeah, and that was to get Harden alongside KD and Irving. We would just be doing it for Beal and Randall, and then maybe nothing else outside of that. You know, you've got quickly, but I mean, it's it's I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't gut out the roster, the entire roster, and give away all of our assets and picks just for Bradley Beal, for a player who's going to be making thirty-five million a year for the next couple of seasons at the age of twenty-eight in June. You know, that's not exactly young for an NBA player. He's kind of at his peak right there. So the next couple of years will be the very best he, he gets. And do you really see the Knicks, even with Beal winning a fucking title over the next couple of years? You know, just so he can put up good stats on a bad team again? Is that what we want to do? Because that, that's what I think is going to happen. I think you get him, he comes here, and it's not much of a difference in the win category. <laughs> I just... You know, will we start winning? Will we do enough before he starts hitting his decline? You know, we're still a bit out. We're still a bit away from contending, even with him. Right outside of him, he comes here. He's not going to have much to work with. It just feels like a Kristaps Porzingis situation all over again, Carmelo Anthony esque. You know, it's we have something good here, man. Why would I want to trade for a player who's disgruntled, who may just end up being disgruntled and demand a trade again? In one or two years. I would just. If it ain't broke don't fix it. That's the old adage that I'm sticking with here. And it's it's not broken right now. You know as much as the narrative is against the Knicks. And the media and all that. LOL Knicks this that. Listen they've got a good head coach. A sound front office. They've got all their picks. They've got 
a good young core to develop right now, and they're starting to win games. They're starting to learn how to win games. Do you want to fuck with that? Do you want to trade away all of your future assets? Do you want to fuck with your core that you have right now? I don't think you do. I really don't think you do. I think you stay on par here. You keep doing what you're doing. And you try to fucking build like this. The right way. Not taking any fucking shortcuts. Not trading for him. That guy. I, I just. Not now. You know at least. If anything. Okay. If, if you want me to give you some kind of leeway here. At least be patient and wait until the summer. Right. Don't do it right now. You bring in a Bradley Beal. He's going to have to make adjustments mid-season. And you know. It took Knicks players an entire year. To start gelling with Julius Randle. Beal's a star, but you put the ball in his hands. You put the ball in Randle's hands. Both of those guys like to operate with the ball. You know, quickly likes to operate with the ball. It's it's no guarantee that it works out right away. It could most definitely mess with the chemistry. And, you know, we don't exactly get the same result in the second half of the season. It can go wrong. While it can go right, it could go wrong. I just... Don't want to take that risk. So I'm not guaranteeing that trading for him would be a disaster. But I'm just not willing to take that risk right now at this moment. If that makes sense. Uh, I had to get that off my chest. I just fucking had to. Um, You know, speaking of trades and stuff. The Knicks, you know, we talked about this before as well on the podcast here on BD4. But, you know... Are we trading Julius Randle eventually, or are we going to find a way to extend him? Um, He's not going to be traded this deadline. I don't expect that. I think the Knicks are at least keeping him around this year. Uh, But if he keeps it up this year, I think you pick up the $4 million option, right? And you bring him back next year. If he keeps it up, if he's still playing at this high level and the Knicks are still winning games by the deadline, I think then you throw him the extension. Um, It's tricky though, because he, you know, he could force the Knicks to make a decision sooner with the opt-out clause. And do you really want to max out a guy who doesn't have max numbers beyond this season you know how much is he going to command is his AAV going to be north of 25 I would almost certainly say it's going to be 30 I mean it's difficult right you could trade him in the offseason but for a much lower return than you get right now because you're, you're trading him to a contender who only has him for one playoff but do you consider him a building block? And do you really buy into what he's done? And honestly, man, listen, it's tricky, right? And quite frankly, I don't have an answer for you right now. I don't have a solidified answer. But I will say that every day I watch this this guy play, I am buying into him more. Each and every day, I am buying into him more. And I will eat my words proudly. Because last season, I wanted him to fuck out. I thought there was no way they could turn around his game in just one offseason. I was saying they need either a head coach, a great point guard, or both in order to turn Julius into a winning, efficient player. And it turns out they they found their head coach. And Tom Thibodeau has done a really good job um, getting Randall to play at a high level. And now he's 26 years old, still fairly young. You can consider him a building block and throw him in the bag. 
right? So I'm leaning towards it. I am leaning towards it. I'm not all the way on that side yet, but I am leaning towards that extension thing if he continues this play. Again, I prefer they do it next year. You know, give him the, pick up the $4 million option. If he keeps playing to this high level, then you throw him the extension. If it comes down to he forces us to make a decision this summer, mm, it's going to be tough. Fuck it. <laughs> it's going to be tough. But, um, yeah, it's not, It's regardless of whatever way you want to look at it, it's not an easy decision for the Knicks. This is one of those scenarios where I am glad I'm not the Knicks GM. I'm glad I'm not Leon Rose, Scott Perry, or, you know, um, World Wide West here. <laughs> so, fucking. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I am just, again, like I say a lot this year, I'm just living day by day. I'm not trying to think too far ahead. Although we always go there, which we just did. But um, right now we're 15 and 16. we got a playoff spot in the East at the moment. We look good. And you just hope we can keep this up. That's where I am. I'm not going to try to jump too far ahead because it just makes me a little depressed, man. I don't want to... But it's it's a, in a good way, right? Where you have to make tough decisions on talented players. When when's the last time we, we were saying that? That's fucking awesome, you know. Like Alan Hahn broke his remote the other night, and he broke his coffee mug tonight watching these games. That means Knicks fans are into these games; they're passionate. And breaking shit means we're mad because we were expecting to win games and we were losing. We weren't doing that. We were just accepting losses because we knew they were going to come over these last couple seasons. Now we're expecting close games at worst and wins most of the time. It's good. It's fun. It's fun to have some expectations and have some options here where we talk about trades and extensions because we weren't there just a couple of years ago. So um, that's the way you can look at it if you're a positive fan. So that's, that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think we have anything else. I don't. I don't think we. You know. I think we touched on everything we needed to. So, let's. Uh, yeah. Let's just go right into the. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go right into the. Uh, wrap it up with the NYY NYK question of the day, and that'll be that. All right. So last time out, obviously we talked to Yankees in episode two hundred fourteen. Why is it froze? Hold on. Damn, man. Alright, so it fucking froze on me and it's fucking lagging. Hold on. Give me one second. Alright, so... Sorry. We have the freaking question of the day intro. Wasted. Let me get to that again. Little uh, game show tune there. All right, so last time out, we had the Yankees talking about the Yankees in 214. I asked you guys, who has, which Yankee has the most home runs in World Series history? The answer to that question, Mickey Mantle with 18. Most home runs during World Series play. Not only the most home runs for a Yankee in the World Series, but for anybody in baseball history. That was the answer to the NYY NYK question of the day for episode 100, well, no, 214. But for this episode, for episode 215, 
our NYY NYK question of the day is drum roll please boom 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 who was the last team that the Knicks faced in NBA Finals who was the last team the Knicks faced in an NBA Finals if you want a hint it was in 1999 where they lost in five games all right, so that's our NYYMYK question of the day for episode 215, brought to you by Anchor, where you can start your own podcast on the Anchor app or by going to their website, anchor.fm, create, edit, and publish your own podcast on Anchor. It's free, it's easy, and they pay you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 215 of our podcast. 215. The Knicks fall asleep on, on the road there in Orlando. Rough game. Come back tonight. They're awake. They pick up the victory. Sluggish. Didn't look great at times. Well, I'm sorry, not as sluggish, but it didn't look great at times. But in the end, they pick up the victory. So, again, 15 and 16. Got a playoff spot in the East. And things are looking up more and more every day. So, got to be happy about that guys thank you so much for tuning in that's all we've got for episode 215 of the podcast i am your host rj carbone and i will see you in 216 on thursday but if you don't um just listen to the podcast if you also read the blog then i'll see you tomorrow where we will be recapping the knicks um wolves game and by tomorrow i mean i'll see you today monday so you're listening to this podcast on a monday most likely um, so thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it all. And um, all right, let's wrap this one up. We'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.